In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped inside her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the thoughts of the proud in their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. I cannot imagine it, what Mary must have felt. The distance is too great. I'll stick to the facts. She is a woman, a girl really, young, 14, maybe 15, we don't know. She's not wealthy, she's poor. Her skin is dark and she stands about five foot tall if averages hold. She is betrothed to Joseph. She will become his wife, and that will be security for her. 
Joseph, from what we can tell in Scripture, is a good man, a decent guy. He had a craft that made him a little money. His family's from Bethlehem, not well-to-do, but Mary will be okay. Like many women in the world still today, her security will depend on her marrying well. Mary's going to make it. Until Gabriel, an angel, appears to her and calls her highly favored. He tells her she will become pregnant without Joseph. And Mary, Luke tells us, was greatly troubled. Mary is painted as tranquil, accepting, calm about the whole thing. But after the angel leaves, she's got to wonder. This news is a death sentence. How will this pregnancy, this child, not lead to her poverty, her abandonment? This child will disrupt everything. She will lose everything. When she begins to feel in her body the reality of what the angel told her would happen, does she feel life or death inside of her? Joseph will not marry her now. He won't shame her, but he won't marry her. She will not have his house to stay in or his family to call her own. She will not have his income. She will not have the reputation of being married. When Mary dares to walk down the street, people will stare and say, why couldn't she keep her legs together? They will call her loose, immoral, much worse. Her son will be called names. She will be the opposite of highly favored. Once the angel leaves and she is alone, she will be alone. And who will believe a 14-year-old girl? Who will believe what she has to say? Gabriel plants the name of her Aunt Elizabeth. Why would she believe? Who would ever believe such a tale? She sets out in haste to the hill country, 14 years old, pregnant, alone. Can you imagine how she feels when she steps with trepidation across the threshold? I assume it's night. Because in the hill country of Israel, you're outside if it's light out. But Mary enters the house to greet Zechariah and Elizabeth. So I picture that it's dark outside. And Mary, at 14, has been traveling alone in the hill country with this news. She's been rehearsing her lines, or at least that's what I would do. That's what I'd be doing. Coming up with explanations, versions of my story that make more sense, that make me feel more sane and believable. Working through the possible responses that Elizabeth might have. She steps with trepidation across the threshold and through the doorframe of her aunt and uncle's home. And Elizabeth sees her. And the first word out of Elizabeth's mouth is a blessing. Blessed. Blessed are you, Mary, among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth knows. Can you picture the ecstasy and relief that Mary feels when she realizes that she does not have to bear this news alone that Elizabeth somehow knows she's not crazy? 
Elizabeth doesn't wait for an explanation for her visit. She doesn't have to be convinced of anything. She doesn't ask any probing questions about the pregnancy. She simply believes Mary. She sees Mary and she calls her blessed. She says, why is the mother of my Lord coming to visit me? Mary must have melted in relief. Elizabeth knew and everything was going to be okay. Jan Richardson describes this scene in a poem titled, A Blessing Called Sanctuary. You hardly knew how hungry you were to be gathered in, to receive the welcome that invited you to enter entirely. Nothing of you found foreign or strange, nothing of your life that you were asked to leave behind, to carry in silence or in shame. Tentative steps became Settling in, leaning into blessing, the blessing that enfolded you. Taking your place in the circle that stunned you with its unimagined grace, you began to breathe again, to move without fear, to speak with abandon the words you carried in your bones that echoed in your being. You learned to sing. Mary travels to Elizabeth's house, and on the journey, if she's human, anything like we are, I have to imagine that the soundtrack that accompanied her was confusion and fear and anxiety, doubts about whether she had really heard from an angel, anxiety that she had lost her marbles, fears about what Joseph would say. And when fear is the soundtrack that you travel with, you cannot sing. But through Elizabeth, God provides the life-saving radical hospitality that would allow Mary to breathe again, to enter entirely into who she was and who God was calling her to be at Christmas. God enters entirely, not for his sake, but for ours, so that we can breathe again, enter fully in, be fully ourselves. What were the moments this year when God created that space for you to sing? When you began to breathe again. For me, re-entering therapy was a part of breathing deeply again. Asking those questions and being asked those questions that I haven't asked for a while. Watching Maya this year. Having her mind blown by squirrels and dandelions and the movement of the ocean. That created space for me to slow down and wonder along with her. Being back in Uganda a couple weeks ago recalibrated my identity in a way that allowed me to breathe a little easier. And in a real way, I don't think in a cliche way, I think in a real way, this weekly habit of being reminded of God's hospitality, being invited to enter into that space where you can enter entirely, played a part in approaching each week with the possibility that I could sing, could breathe that week. None of those moments are a given for us. And the soundtrack for so many people in 2018 has been dominated by exhaustion, fear, doubt, confusion. And sometimes I'm not even sure that we know that we're traveling with this soundtrack. It's playing in the background and it's coloring everything. I hope that Grace Chicago this year offered a different soundtrack to travel with. 
I hope that grace has played a part in extending the sort of hospitality towards you that might have allowed you to feel the type of acceptance that I imagine Mary did, that relief of knowing that someone else knows and is with you. Mary didn't have to justify herself. She was fully seen. And when you're fully seen, you can sing. And Mary sings. She sings a prophet's song. The thoughts of the proud are scattered and the powerful are brought down from their thrones. The lowly are lifted up. The hungry are filled with good things and the rich are sent away empty. God remembers his mercy according to his promise and all of this, Mary sings, is done through the unwanted pregnancy of a 14-year-old Middle Eastern girl. How ridiculous. It's a new song, but the themes are old and familiar. And if God's coming to us through a young girl is a total shock, then we probably haven't been paying attention. Mary and Elizabeth are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they become the first prophets in the New Testament. They stand arm in arm with the list of women that Matthew can't leave out of his genealogy when he gives the lineage in the opening of his gospel, and he names four women. Unheard of. He names four women in a genealogy of a man. Four resilient, thick-skinned women, Bathsheba, whose husband and firstborn are murdered. Killed because of David's greed. Ruth, widowed, childless, working in the fields until she could seduce Boaz and secure her future. Tamar, who dressed up like a prostitute in order to survive. And Rahab, who was a prostitute in order to survive. These are the mothers of God. Mary and Elizabeth join that proud lineage of courageous women whose names are remembered. They're the prophets who proclaim that the child in Mary is Lord and that the tables have been forever turned. And Mary and Elizabeth are, of course, joined arm in arm by the women on Easter morning, who are the first to proclaim not only that Christ is Lord, but that he's risen. God's Spirit extends the life-saving hospitality of being known through Elizabeth to Mary. Christmas offers the same hospitality to us. God enters fully into our story so that we might enter fully into his. Jan Richardson's poem ends this way. But the deal with this blessing is that it will not leave you alone. will not let you linger in safety, in stasis. The time will come when this blessing will ask you to leave. Not because it is tired of you, but because it desires for you to become the sanctuary that you have found, to speak your word into the world, to tell what you have heard with your own ears, seen with your own eyes, known in your own heart, that you are beloved, precious child of God, beautiful to behold, and you are welcome and more than welcome here. Mary reminded me this week of Yolanda, who is a woman from... Uh, from East Garfield Park. And I got to hear her story at at Breakthrough's annual benefit. Uh, Her video is online. I'll I'll share it this week on our our Facebook page so you can hear the words uh, told by her, which is much better. But what she says in her testimony is this. What you don't see is what's going on in the trenches. In the trenches are mothers like me. When I had my son, I was a single mom. And when I saw him for the first time, 
I was not happy. When I looked at my son, I saw death. Because here I am, a black single mother, fourth child, and I had a son. I didn't know what to do with him. How do I protect my baby boy from these streets, getting him or killing him? I felt hopeless. I was scared. But the people at Breakthrough, who are my family now, they reassured me. They loved me. They loved my son. I cannot tell you how many big brothers and big fathers my son has because of Breakthrough. When I had an accident at work, I fell, I tore my ACL. Miss Lisa took off work to take me to the MRI. Miss Lisa came to my house to make sure my children were fed, to take some of the burden off of me. She didn't have to do that. When my daughter, who was totally against the high school process, refused to do anything, Demira, who was her after-school teacher, came to my home with his laptop after work to make sure that she got into the high school of her choice. And it worked because she got into Westinghouse. I wouldn't be a homeowner without the encouragement and financial guidance of the people at Breakthrough. Who hears about that? A single mother, four kids, goes back to college, not only gets her bachelor's, but now in December I have my master's in special ed. I'll have two teaching licenses and be able to teach kids of any age. Bought a house and has a daughter getting ready to graduate high school with honors and a daughter who's a junior who has four colleges scouting her. All of that happened inside these walls. Mary, Elizabeth, Ruth, Tamar, Miss Lisa, Yolanda. It has been some 2,000 years since the birth of Christ, since Elizabeth made space for Mary. But God's Spirit is doing the same work today as in days past. And those who call Christ Lord are still called to the work of standing in the trenches, offering life-saving hospitality, turning situations of death into life. God has entered fully into our story. We can enter fully into God's story. And in that story, you can breathe again. You are beautiful to behold. All of your hopes and fears are welcome. God has come and there is unimagined grace. May you, this very Christmas week, become the sanctuary that you have found. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the story that we get to be a part of. The story that was told 2,000 years ago. The courage of Mary, the hospitality of Elizabeth. We give thanks that your same spirit is doing that same work. Giving courage to those who need it. Creating space for those who need space. May we this week and in the year to come. Continue in this lineage. Walk in the steps of the mothers and fathers who have come before us. Be like Miss Lisa and Yolanda. Pray that you would grant us courage and hospitality. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.